Broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. For one dollar, what's Too Short's favorite word? Too Short? Too Short, what's his favorite word? Too Short? Yeah. What is Too Short? <laughs> what is that? I'm so confused. Where are you from? The Bay Area. Ooh. What's my favorite word? Why they gotta say it like short? You know they can't play on my court, can't when you hear that sound right there, this is unnecessary roughness. <laughs> you already Here's know that this is unnecessary roughness. And Amber Theo Harris, our girl from Sirius XM and the Silver and Black Show, is joining us. That was just for you, Amber. <laughs> oh, I was grooving. I was like, blow the whistle. Hey, I'm not even from the Bay Area, and I know Too Short's favorite word, but I am a 96, so that's, that's probably why I know it. But I mean, what an abomination. Right. You don't even know that word? Right. You're from the Bay Area? <laughs> you, should be, you should be abolished. You should lose your Bay Area citizenship. Oh, yeah. I, whoever that young lady was, I was pulling her Bay Area card. She doesn't She doesn't <laughs> own it anymore. She's moving. <laughs> <laughs> I grew up 3,000 miles away, and I know what a favorite word is. Come on. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> but uh, you are one of our favorites here. Amber Thea Harris again joining us on Radio Nation Radio 920, Unnecessary Roughness. So I got to ask you, what do you thought so far of the movement not a lot of big names or anything been signed not a lot of guys have brought it to the organization that are big time but they're slowly and surely trying to make some moves and get prepared for this upcoming draft do you like the approach that the Raiders are doing this offseason I love how you said moving not moving and shaking like that implies you're doing something really great like when you're moving and shaking you're like how do you think about the, what do you think about the moving right yes they're, they're making moves um, and it's an incomplete portrait, let's put it that way. If this is a work of art, it is incomplete at this point. Do I feel that there is anything that instantaneous, instantaneously adds wins and multiple wins? Not necessarily. Like, mm-hmm. I can't point to one side. Like, does Jimmy Garoppolo add three more wins than Derek Carr? No, not to me. Um, Jacoby Myers, maybe a win. I, I wish there was a war stat, like in baseball, right. you know, wins over replacement. Yeah. It would be really neat to see that. I mean, I know my friend Cynthia Freeland over at NFL Network has something like that, but it's, it's, I was told there would be no math. I was under the impression there would be no math in this profession, so I don't keep up with what she's saying. But I don't think that Jacoby Myers, you know, by himself in a vacuum adds a, 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 a lot of wins. The way that, you know, when Devon, just to get, just to be comparative, like, Devontae Adams, when that signing happened, you automatically knew you added some wins Mm -hmm. uh, with a player of that caliber. I don't think there's that player just yet. Um, I think the draft is going to be so crucial. The Raiders have more draft picks than anybody else in the NFL right now, as it stands. Um, And we have a very deep draft coming up. I'm looking forward to covering it. We've been getting ready for it Um, over on Westwood and SiriusXM. Um, It's very deep in, in corners, very deep in defensive line. Uh, and those are kind of areas that the Raiders need. Right. So, it, and yes, it's it's expected to be a top three strong quarterback draft, maybe four, but at number seven, they're not going to get it there. So I, I think the defensive help that is so desperately needed from this team is going to come through the draft, and ultimate, ultimately, that's Dave Ziegler and Josh McDaniel's vision. And that's how you build. That's how you build these teams. I mean, look at the Jets. Mm-hmm. Look what they did on defense. They went from horrific in 2021 to competitive justice in the playoffs in 2022, but with a legit defense, just with one draft class and using all three, no, two of the three first round picks they had 
Now the Raiders don't have three first-round picks, but two of the three first-round picks on defense, I think you're going to see the Raiders use a lot of their top picks on defense. You know, there was a time when they had three first-round picks. Just saying. <laughs> Just saying. <laughs> many, many moons ago. Right. Many moons ago. ago. <laughs> right. They had that <laughs> many moons ago. ago. <laughs> exactly. So let me ask you this. When it comes to the quarterbacks, you mentioned that a three-quarterback, maybe four. So if the Raiders are sitting there at seven, and now that Carolina's traded up to number one, obviously, to go get a quarterback – do you envision any way that they move up to maybe three with Arizona to try to go get that third quarterback, or do you think they just stay pat? I don't think they will. I don't think they will because if you, if you look at the history of teams that have moved up to get a quarterback, it has been massive failures over the past couple of years. Mm-hmm. Uh, the last team to do it in 2021 was Trey Lance, and they gave up essentially all put in together, I think, three first-round picks together, um, spread out over a couple of years to go up to number three. And I believe, I'm trying to remember, they were at 10, I think. The 49ers had to go up to get Trey Lance. That was a heavy price to play for a guy that really hasn't been on the field. Um, you look at even just like Mitch Trubisky, you know, going the Bears going up to get him. They, even, they just moved up, what, one spot at the time? I'm trying yeah, to remember yeah, these drafts. Yeah. yeah, they did. Oh, did we lose her? Oh, man, we did. We lost her. Unbelievable. Just getting there right to a good part, too. <laughs> Talking about the trade for Mitchell Trubisky, I remember when that happened, the Raiders literally, or not the Raiders, the uh, the Bears literally moved up from two to one uh, to go, or three to two, whatever the case was. They moved up one spot to go get Trubisky, and I always wondered, why did they do that? What was the, what was the point behind that? But they sure did uh, do that, move up and go get him, and that didn't work out. She brought up a good point. You know, the teams that move up to go get a quarterback don't necessarily – always work out. More, matter of fact, more times than not, I think Daniel Jeremiah mentioned that as well, more times than not, it doesn't work out. So uh, we're going to effort to get uh, Amber back on. She was just in the middle of a, a good point that she was making, and then she got cut off. I, th- I thought I co-signed on to Mitchell Trubisky, and then all of a sudden she was gone. And I was like, wait, what in the world is happening here? This cannot happen. So DeMond's done a great job to get Amber back. And Amber, you were talking about Mitchell Trubisky and the Bears moving up one spot to go get him, and obviously that didn't work out. Yeah, I mean, and I was pointing out that our, our our buddy Daniel Jeremiah, one of the best in the business over at NFL Network, does. He, I was listening to, I don't remember which episode it was. I think of his Move the Six podcast. He does a whole breakdown uh, about a very detailed breakdown of what the market has been in the past five to ten years to go up and get a quarterback, and what the results have been. Like what what have teams had to give give up to go up, and what has been the result of that quarterback? And overwhelmingly, it's disastrous. It is not worth it. I don't see, now I might be wrong, it just doesn't seem from the methodical approach that Josh McDaniels and Dave Sigler take, that kind of whimsical, like, well, screw it, let's go get our guy. This is a once-in-a-lifetime chance to go get C.J. Stroud or Bryce Young. I don't see them doing that. It would shock me if they did that. Um, and I don't think it's a good idea, to be honest with you. Um, I, I don't know if that is the answer, is to give up everything to go get a guy that you're not really sure about. Now, could they... Could a guy like Anthony Richardson out of Florida be there around six or seven? Yes, um, but he's he's kind of, he's a guy that you're not going to put on the field right away. So I think that could be a good situation. You got Jimmy Garoppolo, um, and then you develop a guy like him, or maybe they love Will Levis. I don't think he would be there around six or seven. I'm not sure, um, but yeah, I I would not be shocked if if you see them go defense 
early on and, and, and stay at number seven. I wouldn't be shocked. And that wouldn't That's be a bad thing. Hunch. That's not a bad thing because they need a lot of defensive help anyway. So if they go and get the best defensive player on the board at that time, again, I don't think anyone would be too upset about that. We're talking with Amber Thea Harris here on Radio Nation Radio 920 Unnecessary Roughness. Go ahead, Damon. What were your thoughts on the Darren Waller trade? Too soon? Were you surprised? Or maybe, maybe it should even happen last year? Uh, yeah, no, I don't think it should have happened last year. I think it was a prudent move. And, you know, for, for a new regime like that to come in and give Darren Waller an opportunity to be who Darren Waller is, which is a pro bowler when he's on the field, um, they did not foresee that he would not be on the field. And that was the problem. So I have no problem. I, I'm personally sad I got to know Darren Waller doing the Pro Bowl with him on the sidelines. Really enjoyed my time with him. Really got to know him for the first time, even though I'd covered the team all year. So from a personal standpoint, you know, I'm sad to see him go. I'm happy to see him go uh, to New York. I think the Giants are going to be good, especially with him there. But I think getting a third-round pick is fine. I know a lot of Raider Nation is pretty upset about that. But for a guy that's not on the field, that's about the going rate. I wouldn't mm-hmm. have given up more than a third-round pick for him. Um, and, and the rest of the deal, the money that they, they had to take over for the salary. So I'm fine with that. Uh, a third-round pick, I think, will get a really good tight end in this draft because it's deep in tight ends. With the three-headed monster that last year everyone talked about, now with Jacoby Myers being an addition in the receiving room, how do you see that playing out between Myers, Renfro, and dang it, Devontae Adams? <laughs> Blanked on the name for a second. You <laughs> couldn't remember him. Um, I think now it, Devontae has a legit number two receiver. You know, I think Jacoby Myers is a, is a legit number two. He had, what, like eight, probably upper 800s of mm-hmm. yards. I have to double look at his stats uh, last year. Um, and that was that was with Mac Jones throwing to him. So, you know, you add in Jimmy Garoppolo, who I think when healthy um, is a better quarterback than Mac Jones, and everybody's going to be paying attention to Devontae Adams. Now, Devontae Adams, there wasn't a second last year where he was not double teamed. Literally, not a second. So I think if you have somebody that can take the top off the defense, a guy like Kobe Myers that can stretch the field, uh, this is going to be good. I think this is going to be really good for Devontae Adams, especially having to account for both of them. And then maybe – we're going to see Hunter Renfro come back to life, get right. back to that 2021 form that we were missing. He just, we remember how excited we were. Yep. I, don't, I think it was you guys we were talking yep. to about, uh, about all oh, the Wes Welker and the Josh McDaniel mm-hmm. defense, and it works from the inside out, and then it just like never happened. Um, so I'm kind of going to give that a mulligan. <laughs> he was also injured, mm-hmm. and I want to see in a true Josh McDaniel when Josh McDaniels has his people in there, a true Josh McDaniels offense. Uh, you know, there were kind of rumors that he wasn't able to do what he wanted to do with Derek Carr. Maybe he feels he can do what he wants to do with Jimmy Garoppolo. Let's see if that's getting back to what we saw with the Patriots, which is so effective for so long using a slot receiver. You know, you mentioned uh, now that he has his guys, and that's a, a, a phrase that Raider Nation is getting frustrated hearing, his guys, his guys, his guys, win with the other guys. That's what they keep saying. But, Amber, you've been covering the league for a very long time. This is exactly what every coaching staff, every front office does. They always bring in guys they're familiar with. Yeah, I mean, wouldn't you do that? If you're the boss, yep. if you're brought in to be the executive <laughs> producer of ESPN Radio, you are going to bring in people that you know, that uh, buy into your philosophy, that you trust with your philosophy, with your game plan, that have been a part maybe of your offense before, or guys that are built in a certain prototype that you value. Um, clearly, Mike Mayock and John Gruden valued something completely different than this regime. Mm-hmm. And it's hard to make chicken soup with somebody else bought the groceries, you know, I know that's the old uh, tuna reference, but right. um, like 
I, I don't think there's any problem with that. And you know what? And I, I look, I love Raider Nation. I love you all out there. You all complain too much, okay? And you don't understand when you say, <laughs> when would the guys that you have tell me? I want one of your callers to call in and tell me, when have you won? When you guys won? Right. Right. Well, you, you know what's funny? When it worked. You know, you know what's, who it worked with and when it worked. Right. Well, <laughs> everyone continues to reference the, the playoff, and I say run. I say run loosely. It was one game in 2021. Uh, the Raiders had to win those four games, the final, run, the final four games of the season to even get into the playoffs, and that was a hell of a job. Like, I give them a lot of credit for going on that run, winning those four games, getting to the playoffs. They eventually lost to Cincinnati, obviously, in the wild card round. But that's the reference. Like, well, it was a playoff team, and – a lot of us, including myself, think not really. It was a team that made the playoffs, and there's a difference. Well, Q, wasn't it pretty much the same personnel in 2022 that went to the playoffs in 2021? So we got to see them have a chance to win with other people's players. Right. And they didn't. They won six games last year. But we have to be realistic. Like, I know fans are passionate. I'm a passionate fan. But you have to be realistic. With those players that you're saying, hold on to them, don't bring in all your new guys, with those players, the Raiders won six games. Right. That's just a fact. So there's no way to argue that standing pat and keeping some of those players and not bringing in your own guys, how could you even argue that that's not a good idea? you got to do something different because what they had wasn't working. I cannot wait to make that into a promo. <laughs> that was fantastic. But something about bringing in their guys with this draft coming up, how many starters do you think that the team is going to need to get on the defensive end to call this draft a success going forward? Hold on, let me count. Let me list them. Let's start. Do you got two corners in the draft? <laughs> do, do you, how many linebackers are they going to get in the draft? Do you couple them? Right. Uh, I'll take some interior linemen. I'll take another uh, pass rushing defensive end. Uh, wouldn't hurt to have a, another safety out there. Uh, you, I'd take four or five. Right. I would. No, I, I, I would. said I I'd said that four or five rookies. I say that, that you have to come out of the draft with at least three starters, right? If you have 12 picks right now, you have to oh, come out with at least oh, three starters. starters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Starters, three starters. Sorry, I'm just thinking just guys I'd like I'd like depth on the offense or defensive line, things like that. But, yeah, I'd say at least three. You need – the number one thing you need to meet, you need a starting corner um, mm-hmm. that, that, that excels in coverage. <laughs> you just – they don't have that. And uh, that would be where I would, I would begin and end. And I would love to see – this team have a true banger, like middle linebacker, uh, captain of the defense, a future guy like that. I think mm-hmm. that would be pretty awesome. Yeah, that's what they need, and they do. They need defensive help on all levels, right? Defensive line, the corners, the linebackers, safeties. I mean, they, they, they know that they need that, so they've got to go out there and address it in the upcoming draft, and so it's going to be interesting. Amber, where do you sit with Jalen Carter, um, and, and where do you sit as far as just his draft stock? Because he could have been the number one overall pick. I don't know if he's going to even be top ten now with everything that's been going on. I know, and you know what? It's unfortunate. You remember Laramie Tunsil a couple years yep. ago? He's mm-hmm. kind of that devastating draft story. And look, you know, he just made one of the biggest free agent signing deals that we've seen this offseason. So, you know, he turned out to be a success. So, you know, look, I'm a professor at USC, an adjunct professor. I teach people this age. <laughs> And I know there is an immaturity factor with all of them, and you try to handle it with some sort of grace and, and try to say you hope people make mistakes and they grow out of them. For me, it wasn't – and, you know, I can never take my mother cap off. I can never take my professor cap off if <laughs> somebody who works with young people, cares about young people. To me, it wasn't the disappointment of, you know, the warrant for his arrest and the involvement in the racing that led to death. It, it, I see – 
to me, and I don't, and I'm not excusing that behavior whatsoever. That's inexcusable. Um, and there needs to be a self awareness of who you are, what opportunities are in front of you, or just even if you're a regular person, mm-hmm. you're not going to the NFL draft. My son can't act like that. Right. Um, but for me, it was more disappointing to show up out of shape, eight pounds, nine pounds heavier, two weeks after the combine, when you have an opportunity to kind of set the record straight about who you are. What I learned from that, if I am a, uh, an owner, a scout, a GM, and I'm looking at him, I'm saying, this guy falls apart in the face of adversity. He isn't resilient. Uh, he had something really bad happen to him during the combine, and in those two weeks, he gains eight pounds. He shows up slow, you know, overweight. That, to me, would be the, a huge red flag, red flag, not the immaturity. Um, the immaturity is its own red flag, um, but we've also seen that in the past, and I think anybody that's been in this business a long time, you kind of look at the situation, you really try to listen to the young man, try to get to know him and kind of understand where he's coming from and try to find that potential in him to grow. Maybe there, it doesn't exist. But when I see two mistakes like that in two weeks, I'd be like, eh, I, wouldn't, I don't know if I'd be up there in the top ten with him. Those are, that's gold. Yeah. I mean, those picks are gold. Mm-hmm. You can't miss on those. Right. Um, too many red flags for me. Yeah, no, I, I hear you. And that's what I think a lot of teams are going to be uh, asking the question about right now. Like, who is this young man and, and what the, what matters to him right now, right? So uh, I think a lot of people have probably crossed him off his board. But somebody, you know, will take a shot at him. It might be top 10. It might be top 20. It might be second round. I don't know. Somebody's going to take a shot at him and think that they got a steal and going to find a motivated player. Uh, so we'll see what happens with Jalen Carter. Well, as we wrap this up, this Lamar Jackson situation is still brewing in Baltimore. Uh, not too many teams need a quarterback anymore outside of Baltimore. Maybe Washington, Atlanta could be a team. How do you think this all ends up? Does he end up back in Baltimore? And, and how close are they to a relationship being kind of fractured? Those are two separate questions. I think he ends up back in Baltimore 100%. And I think the relationship is fractured. Okay. Um, and I don't know how you can repair that. Um, I do know that I know Steve Bishotti very well. I know Eric DaCosta very, very well. I know John Harbaugh. Um, there's three of the biggest pros in the business as far as owners, GM, coaches, I would like to be uh, play for. <laughs> there's nobody that's more kind of buttoned up, has done things the right way, consistency, consistently winning than that organization. Um, and so if, you're, if you can't repair it with them, it's clearly that you're doing something wrong. And clearly he is. Not having an agent. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. I just I can't understand it. I can't you're trying to save, you know, three percent or whatever. You're still he's still paying about one percent in lawyers and the NFLPA is helping, so you gotta pay them. Like there's still there's still people he has to pay to get this deal done. It's not like he's just, you know, saving all the money. But what is what is three percent of two hundred and thirty million? <laughs> right. <laughs> right now he's got He's got zero percent of, of of you know the, the franchise tag, mm-hmm. or, or he's got a hundred percent of the franchise tag. So you see what I'm saying? Like, yeah. I don't I don't get the math. It's clear that an agent would have handled this better. Um, but look, I got to give. And when I when I compliment the Ravens, I'm not trying to be biased because I know those people over there. They've earned my respect over the years. Um, they played their cards perfectly. They said, "Look, if you think this is the market for you, go get it." Here you go. <laughs> go find an offer that is what you want, and then we will have our chance to match it. And if we don't want to match it, we win because we get two first-round picks. Again, golden picks. That, that was the best 
call a GM could have made in that situation. And you know what? They proved him wrong so far. Don't you think somebody would have stepped up by now? Oh, and yeah. made the offer? Somebody would have stepped up. I mean, if somebody did it for Deshaun Watson, right. I'm sure Tech would have done it for Lamar Jackson, and they haven't. Again, I'm always real. I always try to spit facts. Mm-hmm. They haven't. Zero offers. So we know what the market is for him, and it's not what he thinks it is right now. So now he has no choice but to put his tail between his legs, go back and play for the Ravens. And you know what? After a year, another year of the franchise tag right now, if he misses six or seven more games at the end of the year because he's not durable, then he would have passed on, what did they? What did he say? It was $130 million he's Yeah, 133 yep. he, he passed on that. And I don't think there will be a similar market. The Ravens might not franchise tag him again, but they can do it again. Right. That's <laughs> so true. they can make him play for him for two years. He has no leverage right now. People aren't really talking about that. He has no leverage. I don't care what you think he's worth. They asked him to prove what he's worth, and he hasn't been able to do that. He hasn't been able to get the offer, and that's just a fact. doesn't matter what we think. I think he's wonderful. doesn't matter what I think. He's not what he thinks he's worth. Boom. There it is right Ooh. there. Go that ahead, takes all around. Last thing I want to ask you about <laughs> are the dream. What is Coach Amber Theo Harris like? Well, do you think I pull any punches based on my <laughs> No, none at all. <laughs> what are you telling your players in the huddle after maybe one or two many turnovers? <laughs> I said, May, you're supposed to be mayhem. Hold on to the ball. Don't turn it over. You're supposed to be out there. May's looking at me with her fourth grade eyes, all confused. <laughs> she didn't know which way the basket was. <laughs> nice. So we, I love these little girls. Um, it is so much fun. And you know what? People were straight with me and hard with me and then loved me really hard, and I'm the same way. I love hard. Um, I'm hard on them. I tell them the real. And every every single season I have a parent come up to me and be like, I don't know what you did, but they love basketball. They want to come back. And I'm like, that's all I want to do. It's because I just tell them how great they are. I tell them what their potential is. And then I tell them when they mess up. And then I tell them when they're great. We have so much fun. I love, I love these little girls. I fall in love with every one of them. They're so cute. There you go. Sounds like me and Demond's relationship. <laughs> <laughs> you just, wait, you just want them to love basketball? Look at you. <laughs> I want them to love something, Amber. I'm working on them. I'm working no, on them. Have passion, Devon, something in your life. I mean, look, you saw the kind of drinks he orders in uh, at the Super Bowl. You already saw. So. Oh, you... God, that was so embarrassing. I didn't even know what to do. Here we are. Me and a bunch of tough dudes, sports dudes, and he got an umbrella and, like, fruit, and I don't even know, crushed, figures even had crushed ice. Not even, like, ice cubes, like right. crushed ice in it, Damon. I, I should have pulled you to the side. You should have had a pep talk right there like I talked to Mayhem. There you go. Exactly right. He needed, he needed, <laughs> no a, pep, he needed a pep talk after that for sure. <laughs> man, oh, man. Well, Amber, fantastic stuff as always. We love catching up with you. What are you, what are you working on these days besides everything as you prepare for the upcoming draft? Oh, man, you know what? I'm, I'm, showing, I'm trying to show. It's not working, but uh, I'm shooting something for ABC on Friday. It's kind of uh, secretive, but I'll, nice. I'll be coming out with that. And uh, I got the draft coming up for what's the one. I'll be going to that. And, uh, that's, you know, that's it. I'm doing my thing. Catch me over on SiriusXM. I'll be on on Thursday with Ch- uh, Charlie Weiss, Thursday morning. Um, and stay tuned. There you go. Well, you know we will. Always love, love catching up with your work and love catching up with you as well. We definitely appreciate you. 
Oh, you guys are the best. Thanks for having me. Good to hear your voices. Absolutely. You as well. Amber Thea Harris right there, Sirius XM, Silver and Black Show. Uh, she keeps it real. And, yeah, DeMond, that was embarrassing. That was absolutely embarrassing, whatever kind of drink that was that you ordered while we were in Phoenix at the Super Bowl. Unacceptable. Real quick, let me defend myself. When There's you no order defense. the drink, no they defense. don't tell you how it comes out. You look at the ingredients you and you say— You should have known by the name. You look at the ingredients, they bring something out. I, what am I supposed to say? Hey, bring this out in a manlier glass? What was the name of the drink? I don't remember. Yeah, exactly. That's how bad it was. And it didn't come with an umbrella. Uh, maybe it did. I, I, think honest, it I, can't did. I think it did come with an umbrella. I think she was spot on. When she said that. So, yeah, that was a little embarrassing by you. Uh, Rob in Oakland, hit us up on the don'tbebroke.com text line at 69187, keyword r I believe analysts have concluded moving up the first round to target a specific player rarely works out when considering the picks required to move up. Dave Ziegler recently mentioned the cost of moving up being a consideration when weighing whether to pull the trigger. I got the sense he wasn't a fan of moving up in the first round. I've gone back and forth over the years, but in our current condition, I think we need good ball players everywhere and would go best player available without moving up for specific players. It's probably okay to use the sixth and seventh rounders to move up to the middle rounds for guys that have dropped and provide value. It's an important draft. That's Rob in Oakland. I agree 100%. And it's funny, me and Paul Gutierrez from ESPN and a couple other listeners were kind of going back and forth over the weekend about what the Raiders should do at number seven. And Paul basically said what Tom Flores had said, and you mentioned it earlier, that if you're picking in the top ten, it's for a reason. You don't have the, the right to be choosy on who you're picking. you got to pick the best player available. Whether that's a corner, like a Christian Gonzalez, cool. If that's a defensive alignment, like an edge rusher, cool. Whatever the best player, it doesn't matter. And, and you know, I had Kel Peel push back and say, oh, don't get a corner until round two or three. Look, the Raiders aren't in position really to be picky on what position they go after. What they got to do is get more dominant players. So if you can get a dominant corner at seven, go get that dominant corner. If that dominant defensive lineman is not there, then you pass on them, right? But, I mean, whoever's the highest value, as long as you're getting a dominant player and whenever those, whatever those positions are, that's what you need. You need a, a, a lot of great players. And the Raiders haven't had a lockdown corner in a very long time. And I'm not saying that that's who they should target at seven, but if that guy's there and they feel really good about him, then they should pull the trigger and have no problem with it. If it's an edge rusher, if it's a D tackle, if it's you know an offensive lineman, whoever they feel like is the best guy there at number seven is going to provide them the best value, then go for it. Uh, I, I'm, I'm with Paul uh, 100% and with what Coach, Coach Tom Flores said. You're picking in the top 10. You don't really have an opportunity to be picky. You've got to go and get the best players available because your team needs talent. 326 is the time. Matt Barrels from The Athletic. He'll join us next. Talk a little bit of Jordan Willis as he comes over from the San Francisco 49ers. Agreed to a deal with the Silver and Black earlier today. We'll break that down and we'll talk a little Jimmy G as well. It's Radio Nation Radio 920. Now back to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q on Raider Nation Radio. Earlier today, the Raiders were pretty active as far as signing guys. They added tight end O.J. Howard, safety Jaquan Johnson, and defensive lineman Jordan Willis, who played with the San Francisco 49ers last season, had two sacks and nine games played, has ten and a half career sacks. And Matt Barrels from The Athletic put out a piece saying 49ers Jordan Willis can fetch comp pick, but seems more valuable than that. And Matt Barrels joins us on the phone lines now. And Matt, thanks so much for joining us this afternoon. We do appreciate you. And everything I've been reading on Willis, and I remember him at K-State when he was Big 12 Defensive Player of the Year, sounds like a pretty good flyer, pick, pretty good pickup, a guy that can you know bring a little bit of juice to the locker room. What can you tell us about uh, Willis that gives us a little bit more insight onto who the Raiders are picking up? Yeah, I agree, uh, and I think it's a really good signing for this stage of uh, free agency. Um, I mean, you know, the, the 49ers had a pretty loaded defense last year. They ran into injury issues a couple of times during the season um, when they played the Chargers, late in the season when they played the Commanders, and, and Willis had a bigger-than-usual role 
in both of those games. And whenever he did, he stepped up. I mean, uh, you know, multiple pressures, a couple of sacks in each of those games. Um, you know, he was very much a backup for most of the season. But like I said, when uh, he got a chance to shine, he made the most of it. And what always kind of stuck out to me is that he was playing at like 275 last year, and you would you would look down and see him on the kickoff coverage unit. And usually that's, uh, you know, may, maybe you'll see a linebacker on those teams, but it's usually safeties and cornerbacks and, and speed guys. And uh, Willis can move. Even at 275, he's one of the fastest, certainly the fastest lineman on the team. Um, and that's really has been his calling card. He gets off the snap quick. Uh, he's added more of a, a power rush, more of a bowl to his arsenal. And I think that in combination with his, uh, his speed, uh, you start to have something there. What makes him want to be on special teams? As you mentioned, 275, you don't see a guy screaming down the field at 275 on special teams. But Willis, you do see him doing that. What goes into him just wanting to even be out there and be part of that unit? Well, I think when you're a backup defensive lineman, you don't really True. have a choice. They ask him to be out there, and he does. Um, you know, he's not pe- pe- playing a lot of defensive snaps, so I think uh, just, you know, wanting to be part of it and, and just having the ability to do it, kind of showing off your your speed. Fast guys like to show off their speed, and uh, I think Jordan Willis liked to do that on on, uh, on kick coverage. You know, in your piece, you were talking about what D'Amico Ryans had to say, that he's not just a rotational guy. He steps in and affects the game. He makes plays for us, game-changing plays. In a, If he has an expanded role with the Raiders, and of course we don't know what it's going to be yet, but if he does have an expanded role outside of what he was doing in San Francisco, do you think that he'd be able to handle uh, that bigger workload? Yeah, I do, and that's sort of the reason why I wrote that story. I wrote it late in the season last year, and it was a – a year in which it was obvious that the 49ers were going to lose a lot of their defensive line and they would have to make some decisions on who comes back. And really I thought, you know, and this was based off of what Willis was able to do in those those couple of instances that I just mentioned. Uh, I thought that he would be a really good um, guy for the Buck. Um, and uh, obviously the 49ers decided to go in a different direction, somebody that you're familiar with, in uh, Cleveland Farrell um, <laughs> instead, but uh, I thought at that stage that he definitely had starter potential um, and uh, would actually be a really nice bookend for Nick Bosa. Uh, obviously, the 49ers didn't agree with me, but uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll see if the Raiders are, are brilliant with this move. So, sometimes that happens. Sometimes they don't listen to us, right? <laughs> we we have Even ideas. We're right all the time. Right, exactly. Again, Matt Barrels from The Athletic is our guest here on Radio Nation Radio 920, Unnecessary Roughness. DeMond's got one for you. What would the 49ers teammates say about Jordan Willis? How is he in the locker room? You know, he's unusual. He's um, very introverted. Uh, he doesn't like to talk. He's by himself a lot of the times. Um you know, he was actually good with me for the interview that I did for the story. I was sort of surprised because people, the PR staff, had been warning me, oh, he doesn't really want to talk. He doesn't want, really want to do interviews. So I wasn't quite uh, sure what I was going to get, but um, it was not an issue at all. But um, he's not a vocal person, um, to, to, to put it lightly. But, I mean, his, his locker was right next to Nick Bosa's. Uh, they got along great. I, I think Bosa really liked him. If you look in, in that story, I, I kind of felt like that quote that he gave me, and, and Bosa isn't 
um, a talkative guy either. But I forget what the the quote said, uh, something like he's an extremely valuable part of our defensive line. Was kind of kind of signaling that yeah, this is a guy that I'd like to like to have back. I'd like to have opposite me a little bit more next year. But um, yeah, I mean that's. I don't want to say it's a downside. He's just a little bit different than the uh, than the average bear. All right, I found the quote. I think he's an extremely important defensive end on our team. That's what Nick Bosa had to say about him as well. And when that introverted style that he has personality-wise, does that show on the field where, I mean, is he going to be a hothead on the field or maybe get penalties, <laughs> something that the Raiders know all too well that affects the play on the field? No, I don't think, it, um, you know, I don't think that's it. I mean, I, I think he's just a quiet guy. Um, he's certainly not a yapper on the field, um, and um, I haven't um, I haven't noticed any kind of extracurricular stuff. I'm up in the press box, of course, so I I can't hear anything. But um, body language wise, that does not seem to be an issue. Matt Barrels is our guest here on Radio Nation Radio 920. Unnecessary roughness. Now you cover the 49ers like a glove, so you've seen John Lynch, Kyle Shanahan, how they kind of work in, in in tandem together and walk side by side. Here in Vegas, Dave Ziegler and Josh McDaniels are attempting to do the same thing. Do you see some similarities with what's going on or what went on in San Francisco as they were trying to build this thing up to what the Raiders are attempting to do as they're trying to build this up? Yeah, I mean, you can't say enough about that that coach GM relationship, and and the Forty Niners did not have that uh, prior to Shanahan and Lynch being being hired back in uh, 2017, and, and it showed. I mean, you need um, you know the, the the two aspects on the on the same page, and everybody says that. Right. Um, the question is whether you can make it happen, and, and the Forty ers absolutely have. I mean. Um, I'm, I'm not being a homer here because I have seen <laughs> seen the opposite uh, occur quite a bit in San Francisco, but uh, this regime seems to have that all together, and, and they've gotten better at it mm-hmm. uh, over time, and, and that's what what you see. the um, The personnel department now really knows what Shanahan, what the coaching staff wants. Um, the coaching staff doesn't even go to the combine anymore. Um, they stay back and they watch film. And let the let the personnel staff do all the combine work, and uh, that's sort of the the trust that uh, that the two sides have there. So I think that that's really kind of valuable. I don't, I don't think you can state that. Uh, strongly enough, but that's what you're you're looking for moving forward. And you know, as as John Lynch and company built that team, that San Francisco team up. I mean, a lot of those guys are drafted guys. They're not guys that they went out and signed in free agency. Of course, we know about Hargraves. That was a big deal. But for the most part, I mean, I, as far as I'm concerned, from a distance, San Francisco is really built up from you know homegrown guys, and then they're able to fill in holes here and there with a free agent or two. But they don't have to try to build that team through free agency. And that's what I feel like Dave Ziegler and company are trying to do here. In Vegas. Are, are you seeing similarities there as well? Yeah, I mean, there have definitely been some high-profile misses. Um, you know, Solomon Thomas and Reuben Foster were their first two picks, uh, a pair of first-rounders back in 2017. They have hit on, consistently hit on, you know, day uh, two and, and especially day three picks. Um, George Kittle, Trey Greenlaw, uh, Talano Hufanga, those are all fifth-rounders. Hmm. Um, and they've gotten a little bit better at that uh, as time has gone on. And I, I think that's what I was just talking about. Like When you start to really understand what the coaching staff is after, you can you know, turn some of those fourth-round picks, sixth-round picks, 
into eventual starters because you know the traits, you know the needs, you know the types of guys that the coaching staff wants. So to me, that's really kind of a telltale of a uh, a coaching staff and a personnel staff that work well together. If you can consistently hit on those day three guys, then then you've really got something because you've got starters at really affordable prices, and, and you can kind of make it all work together from a salary cap perspective. When it comes to Jimmy G, we all know he has a winning record as a starting quarterback, but let's throw the record out when I ask you this question. What do you think of Jimmy G as a starting quarterback? Um, you know, he's not, uh, you know, the, the the first guy that you want. I mean, the, the 49ers, uh, it's, it's, it's a, an odd situation because his finest year was 2019. He took him to the Super Bowl. But that's also when their their eyes started to wander a little bit. They started looking at uh, Tom Brady, uh, some other options possibly, Aaron Rodgers the next year, et cetera, et cetera, until they eventually drafted Trey Lance. And, and I think the reason was that uh, Kyle Shanahan felt a little restricted by Garoppolo. Garoppolo wasn't throwing deep. He wasn't throwing outside the numbers. Um you know, uh, Shanahan has never articulated this. As we're all kind of reading into it. But uh, the idea that the full offense um, was not occurring under uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, that uh, Kyle Shanahan, the real star of the offense, really couldn't put it all together. Uh, and that's why they started looking elsewhere at that point. So um, I don't know if uh, if Josh McDaniel will have that same issue. Obviously, he knows exactly who he's getting, given their work history together. Um, but as far I mean, uh, uh, you know, the, 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 he was not able to deliver a Super Bowl for the 49ers, but he was able to deliver lots of wins, including playoff wins. And um, I'm sure that's something that the uh, the Raiders would take. Uh, at this stage. When you mentioned the offense and Jimmy G maybe not being able to execute the offense that Kyle Shanahan would have liked to have seen, is it just the deep ball? What Can you give us, give us more insight or maybe what Jimmy G didn't do on the field that the 49ers wanted more of? Yeah, I mean, uh, we're, we're, we're splitting hairs here because he, he said, let's say he did uh, you know, 95% of what Kyle Shanahan wanted. I mean, the the offense was good. The offense was efficient. And uh, he got a little bit better each year. He was having the, the best season of his career this past year uh, when he got hurt because he had cut down on the interceptions. I'm just talking about um, throwing outside the numbers, uh, kind of expanding the field. Um, you know, I don't want to say you were limited, but... Uh, those throws, you did not see a lot of deep throws under with, with, with Jimmy Garoppolo under center. Um, so um, it wasn't quite as much as what uh, Kyle Shanahan thought that his offense was capable of. Now, was it, was it still really good? Yeah, absolutely. Um, but um, you know, I think uh, nobody knows a quarterback's shortcomings as much as the guy who's calling the plays. Uh, and I think that that may have started to be not an issue, but um, you know, uh, something that uh, Shanahan thought that they could improve on with somebody else in the lineup. Now, whether that actually happens or not remains to be seen. Uh, but uh, I think that was the thinking. Well, at the end of the day, when it comes to Jimmy G, we all know that you know he can get the job done, but he also has to stay healthy. And Matt, that's ultimately the problem as well. He's just not healthy consistently, you know, and. 
No, for sure. And it's been one thing after another, and uh, it happened uh, last year as well. I mean, uh, and, and it was a shame uh, because, like I said, he was having – you know, the best stretch of his career, really. Mm-hmm. Uh, the 49ers were on a winning streak. I mean, a lot of people thought that that winning streak was due to Brock Purdy, but it, it was, uh, you know, Garoppolo was the one that started it. Um, and uh, Purdy came in, and, and to his credit, he picked up where Garoppolo left off. But Garoppolo was having the season of his career. Like I said, uh, interceptions had been an issue for a while. He had one of the highest interception rates of anybody any quarterback in the league, um, his first uh, first couple of years as the starter, but this last season it really dropped, and so you saw him taking that that next step in his development. Well, it should be interesting to see how it all shakes out. Jimmy G is under center for the Raiders. They added Jordan Willis today. Again, two sacks in 2022 with the, uh, the 49ers, 10 and a half career sacks. Uh, sounds like a guy that's going to at least try to bring a little juice to the Raiders locker room. Matt, fantastic stuff. Great piece that you put out on uh, Jordan Willis, and I know that was a while back, but it was great reference for us this afternoon. What do you got coming on The Athletic that we should be on the lookout for? Well, we're starting to transition from uh, – free agency to the draft these days. So uh, it's going to be all draft all the time. And the 49ers don't pick until pick number 99. So mm. that uh, that ability to pick day three picks, they've, they've got to tap into that this year because they've yeah. got a lot of them. Yeah, I would think so. But on top of that, they're in the position, Matt, and correct me if I'm wrong, that they can literally just pick the best player available because they're just adding talent to a team that's already very talented. That's true. There's no real gaping holes. There's no uh, mm-hmm. one uh, position that they have to target. So that's absolutely right. And, and you can allow the, the draft to sort of dictate where you go. If it's a deep draft in tight ends, for example, you right. take a tight end, that sort of thing. There you go. Well, that's exactly what the Raiders are trying to do at some point, get the team and the roster to the point where they could just literally pick the best player and just figure out where to play them later because, well, the team is that talented. Matt, thanks so much for joining us this afternoon. Really do appreciate your insight. You're welcome. I enjoyed it. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Appreciate you. Matt Barrels from The Athletic on Twitter at Matt Barrels. Really good piece if you want to learn a little bit about Jordan Willis. Again, he put this out a while back, but it was a great, right on time, nice reference for us this afternoon. Again, it's called 49ers Jordan Willis can fetch a comp pick, but seems more valuable than that. And I don't know about you, DeMond, but I like the I like the little breakdown of him. Again, it's not a guy that I think is going to go and get double-digit sacks for the Raiders, but I do think he's a guy that could be a nice little rotational piece and, and help out. I do think that he's a guy that I agree with you wholeheartedly because I do think of all the signings that the Raiders have made so far, he's the guy that was mainly held back to the guys in front of you. Hey, the guy in front of you, he's more of a first-round or a second-round pick, so the team's going to give him a little bit more burn. I'm not saying that if he would have played like 80% of the snaps, right. he would have gotten 10-plus sacks this past season, but I do think that with more reps, he'll be able to show what he can do. And I think it's telling when a guy like Nick Bosa is saying that, hey, you know, he's an important defensive end on our team, and when D'Amico Ryans is saying he's more than just a rotational piece, he's a he, he, he causes havoc when he comes into the game. Again, that doesn't mean he's going to have double-digit sacks, Raider Nation. Don't tell me that I'm gassing the guy up. I'm just thinking that he's a guy that can come in and contribute and help out and be part of the rotation that the Raiders didn't have. They really didn't. They had Max Crosby and them. That's exactly what it was. I and think it, on third down, he's going to be he's going to play a factor on third downs. Right, exactly. And that's really all that you can ask him to do, right? Just go in there, pin his ears back, and try to get to the quarterback. And, uh, again, try to increase the sack numbers that the Raiders have, the pressures that they have, because they don't have enough. 346 is the time. Many thanks to Matt Barrels. We definitely appreciate him. But we want to hear from you. 702-365-9200 and our don'tbebroke.com text sign at 69187, keyword r Before we take a break, a four-pack of tickets to the Vegas Vipers who got their first dub. Got their first dub. 
Oh, yeah. There it is. I was so happy to see that, and they almost blew it. And I saw Coach Woodson. <laughs> Coach Woodson looked like he – I was sitting in the sports book. Me and the wife were sitting in the sports book at the GVR watching that. And, man, they almost blew it, and, and Coach Woodson put his head down like, what in the hell are we doing? He looks so angry. I don't. We'll come back and talk about that fourth down call. But I'm looking for caller number nine right now. You want a four-pack of tickets to the Vegas Vipers next home game coming up this weekend, 702-365-9200. This is Rare Nation Radio 920. It's Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q on Raider Nation Radio. Got to give a big shout-out to Mark. He won four tickets to go see the Vegas Vipers this upcoming Saturday going against Orlando. No, that's not. That was Orlando was the game that they won. Who are they playing this week? St. Louis. Okay. Oh, Battlehawks. Ooh, that's going to be a tough one. That's going to be a tough one, man. St. Louis don't play. I mean, and I say don't play. Like, they don't mess around, man. <laughs> So shout out to shout out to Mark. Got a four pack of tickets. He'll be at Cashman Field thanks to Finley Toyota celebrating 25 years of serving Las Vegas. And you can get tickets available right now at Ticketmaster.com if you want to go ahead and try to buy some tickets real quick. But we do have more tickets that we'll be giving out not only right here on Unnecessary Roughness, but also the morning tailgate with Clay, Vinny, and Heidi. So make sure to tune in. Four pack of tickets all week long, courtesy of again Finley Toyota. We definitely appreciate them. And shout out to my guy. Mark, coming up at uh, 4 o'clock, Coach Scott Spinelli, Believe Podcast Network, talking a little hoops, a little hoop action. And I, I do, at some point, maybe after we talk to Coach, I do want to get into some XFL action and the Vegas Vipers because they kind of ran me hot. All right? I mean, they had victory right there, and it's almost like they, they wanted to give it away. All right? And even Coach Rod Woodson after the game looked like that that team wanted to give it away and it almost looked like he was going to be sick. <laughs> right. I said it during the post-game show yeah. where I did have that moment. Of, I didn't want to say it during the broadcast. You yeah. say that to Harry, but I thought, not again. Right. <laughs> I will say I got a couple of good compliments on uh, on your job that you did uh, for color commentary over the weekend. So uh, shout, shout out to you. I'm not mad at that at all. I uh, want to go out to the phone lines real quick. But before we do, I want to address this quick text from Jason in Maryland on the don'tbebroke.com text line because we just spent a few minutes talking about Jordan Willis from San Francisco. Jason said, Q, how does you and DeMond take change if Klee gets over there to San Francisco and balls out? The Niners basically decided to pay Klee in place of the guy we just picked up. Like, why did we... Why did they let him walk? Well, they decided uh, Klee was the guy that they wanted, right? They chose that that Klee was going to be their dude. And I would not be shocked if Klee goes to San Francisco and balls out. They have a hell of a team already, you know? I mean, if you think about it, could you imagine how good a lot of these players are? And you've seen guys go, hell, you saw Arden Key go to San Francisco and do well. Went to Jacksonville, did well. Turned that into a nice little deal. I, I wouldn't be shocked at all to see Klee ball out. Klee has always given 100% effort. Right, I mean, there's one thing that you never questioned was his effort and his uh, ability to do what the coaches asked him to do. San Francisco decided to let Jordan walk, and they thought that Klee was what, what they wanted. And so they brought, they brought Klee in. He got, what, $2.5 million on a one-year deal. I don't know what Jordan's contract is, but I'm sure it's not $2.5 million. Yeah, and also this would change. nothing would change for me because Klee, I think we've all seen that, hey, he, maybe he's not being used properly. And everybody, I think, you'll be better with less to do on your plate in any job. You'll be, you'll be better when you have all that talent around you. Yes. Hey, man, if you go like, out we there. Don't, we don't need you to do so much here. Right. Hey, man, maybe like four or five plays a game. Just give 100%, and that's all we're going to need from you. I mean, and he might get probably more burned than that, but at the same time, with all that extra talent around him, he should he should play really well. Uh, Klee was never put in the right position. He was drafted too high. We all know that. Uh, but, again, that's not his fault, and he went out there and balled. I have nothing bad to say about Klee, to be honest. I hope he goes out there and balls. Uh, I, I don't wish anything bad on anybody, to be honest. I hope everyone does as well as they could, and, and I'm excited about what Jordan brings to the table. I don't think he's a starter. At all. I think he's just a guy that's going to be, you know, part of a rotation, and I think that that's okay. 
but I'm sure that he didn't cost $2.5 million for the one-year deal. Let's quickly go out to the phone lines and talk to ABA Ivan Davis. Welcome to the show. What's on your mind, my man? Hey, thanks for taking my call. Um, I, I guess the answer for the free agent question uh, the earlier, uh, I would do picks. Okay. Okay. Uh, I mean, maybe if, there, if you had enough talent, maybe a combination of the two, but I don't know. It, it would have to be one of them quarterbacks for me. I mean, jumping up there, I mean, you got you got to basically give blood in order to just mm-hmm. even get up one or two picks. So it, so you, uh, like you always say, you you better hit. You better yep. be right. You better make sure. If I had a stout man, I'd put his head on a stack of Bibles. Hey, swear that this is this is <laughs> going to work out because if it doesn't, we're all out of work. So you better <laughs> convince me real good. Right. Okay. I mean, I just, I wouldn't. I, I'd be too scared to move, considering everything that we need. Because I think one of them, this is going to be a stud, either a corner or or a defensive tackle. Fall down to the head. Last thing, uh, there was a question about the defense. Somebody mentioned something about uh, the defensive tackles. There were ten defensive tackles that ran sub four speed. So I mean, it is a deep, deep class on the defensive side. Right, no oh. doubt. Thank you, thank you for the call, ABA Ivan Davis. My man's always got something going on when he calls. <laughs> I don't know. He working hard, man. He out there hustling. The sounds kept getting yeah. stranger and stranger. Yeah, man. I don't know if he was working in the mechanic shop or what he was doing. I but... thought a train was coming. Oh, that might have been. Oh, <laughs> you know what? I bet it was because he does calls from the train sometimes. I don't know what it is, but, yeah, my man be working. He be grinding, doing something. So, yeah, I could, I could see – I can see them staying right there at seven and going and just grabbing the best defensive players there because I, I don't know if their one is going to be a quarterback even there at seven. And I don't know. I, I just I don't have enough trust in Richardson or Levis to be like, yeah, that's going to be the dude. And I'm like, ABA Ivan Davis, you better get it right. What do you say? You better get it right, Mr. Postman. That's your ass, Mr. Postman. We're on a stack of Bibles. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. That was fun. 357 is the time. We'll come back. Kick off hour number three. Coach Scott Spinelli, Believe Podcast Network. We'll talk all things March Madness. It's Red Nation Radio 920.